Gospel, chapter 16. I want to just um, follow through with what I shared yesterday. Was it yesterday? On Friday at the Fortress Camp. I shared that. So I want to continue from something I said there. And then just Mark 16, 15. It says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The most important activity to God in the earth today is around the gospel. Sometimes we can be so carried away with things happening around us and not realize that what is most important to God is the gospel. What we do or do about the gospel. Just go into all the world. It didn't say go and start a business. No. Not wrong in starting your business. Go into all the world and uh, get degrees. Not wrong in that. But that is not the mandate of God. That's not his mandate. Okay, so you ask yourself, what are you doing? Around or about or with the gospel. That's important. The people you respect the most in your life. Is it because of the gospel? Those are things you ask yourself. Because where your treasure is. There your heart will be. I know people that if brethren are coming to their house. Brethren. They pray together and they share. Brethren, you just say, when are you coming? Okay. Oh, you have come. How are you? Uh, well, we have uh, Kuli Kuli. I know you like it. You don't like it. That's all we have. But when somebody else is coming, uh, who is a very important personality in the society, who is not a Christian, there is coming. Your heart begins to beat fast. So now you borrow money. So we have variety of delicacies. Choose. Because that's where your treasure is. Your treasure is not in the gospel. You ought to treat things around the gospel with more value. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Uh, it reminds me of a story. I think it was last week I... I, I was sharing with some pastors about honor. They are not pastors of this ministry, about honor. I said, the honor we give to men is because of the message, not because of who they are. It drives us to respect men who bring the gospel to us. And so that, that and then I, I think on social media, I, I did talk about the fact that. We mustn't get familiar with these men. I'm just sharing this part of what I'm saying. And then somehow I saw a brother, a minister of the gospel, he pointed out something vital. Now, and something important. Of course, he was talking about the character of God. And I saw that. And I learned from what he said. But I also saw a very vital truth in what he shared. Look at Second Samuel chapter 8. This is not my sermon, but uh, it just comes in vital. Second Samuel chapter 6, pardon me. 
we find the story of um, David. You know, we have things to learn from the Old Testament. I know you know that. Taught you that before. And then we read the story of a woman there by the name of Michal, um, who was his wife. Someone say his wife. Come on, say it again, his wife. Now, obviously, a man's wife is someone who is his wife. Amen. <laughs> you get my point. Yeah. David had wives, but he was also his wife. And in this instance, something happened. In verse 23. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul. Now, they purposely wrote that out. Michal, the daughter of Saul. Why was that vital to say it? Had no child until the day of our death. Now, why? What happened? What, what, did, what happened to her? Listen well. And listen very well to what I'm about to say. Now, David, earlier on, they brought the ark to Zion in Jerusalem. And as they brought the ark to Zion, David being a man of clout, you know, he ought to have been the man who, you know, would do things with a protocol. But as they were bringing the ark, the Bible records that David began to dance. He danced all sorts in verse 16. All sorts, leaping and dancing. Leaping. And she looked through the window. In fact, David was shouting. Excited. He did all sorts. Azonto. What do you think he was doing? He was not dancing his way. Azonto, Skelem. All sorts of dance. Praise the Lord. Is there any dance you got from the new bath? And why are you looking at me like that? Is that sort of not a dance? Okay. Back then we used to have this dance. <laughs> As one of my friends said, that's Ebenezer of a dance. <laughs> I don't think you understand that. <laughs> you know, there were two rising, there were two artists, then there was Sonia, who was always like Ebenezer of a dance. Now, she saw him and despised him. Why would she despise a king? Her background was she was a daughter of Saul. So she had protocol. She had the, what do you call this thing? She had the, that is a word I'm, I'm looking at. She had this thing about status and class. Some people do that. They come to church and they look at the person they are sitting beside. Look at the sheep. This one is the preparation of the gospel of peace. <laughs> the evangelism material. <laughs> they move forward. This is the mother's shoes. Uh-huh. The one that John said, I saw his feet. It go. <laughs> there are people like that. So she looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? David danced and danced a lot before the Lord. The Old Testament. Before the ark. He danced. He was happy. He was glad. Now, look at something. In verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, again the daughter of Saul, 
It's important to mention where he's coming, he's coming from. Remember, our dad was also like that. Our dad was like that. Our dad was so fearsome that Samuel couldn't say he was going to, he was going to obey God. In fact, when Samuel discovered that he didn't obey him, and he said to Samuel, you know what? You said the kingdom has been taken away from me. It's okay. But as we go out, you will cooperate. I said, I'll cooperate. <laughs> the power of God was just cooperating with the guy. So that's the kind of background she came from. This was Saul. Saul. Who was so humbled when he was chosen as king. That's why Samuel reminded me. Were you not small in your eyes? Now you have become a man of God. So your walk is now man of Godish. Shondai. You know, no. He said, so when, so Micah came out from that. She had not learned the lessons. Again, she looked at David and said, how glorious, see mockery. How glorious was the king of Israel today? And you call yourself a man of God. That's the point. How glorious was the king of Israel today? Who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows. Shameless, look at our words, uncovered himself. Some people don't know how to talk. They'll just release the time bomb. That, that's me, oh. She said The mistake we often make is we don't realize that men decide whether we are blessed or not. You have to realize that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. A man preached the gospel for you to believe and be saved eternally. Imagine your eternal life depends on what the man will tell you. <laughs> she said those citizens you know, and you know, the Bible language is very sum- summative. So, imagine if we broke it down, what she said. And you know, because she was his wife, there's a lot of familiarity. Look at you. Shameless. Like, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to call you my man of God. My husband. She said that David now said to her, <laughs> I love David. You know, David knows how to respond. Have you observed this? Ah, he knows how to respond. He said, it was the, the Lord, before the Lord. Who chose me before your daddy? <laughs> he said, your daddy. He said, your daddy. That's what he said. Your daddy. Like he said, like your father. <laughs> That's what he said. The Lord chose me before your father. Not just your father, all your house. That's what he said. To appoint me ruler of the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I don't owe you how I act. How can you know? Imagine how can you talk to your wife like that? He didn't even. That means she had lost the place of honor. You know what happened? 
She never had children again. Because there was the relationship broke down. Never again. Not till the day of our death. We have to realize that men are the custodians of the grace of God. We have to realize that. I was sharing that with our leaders yesterday. I'm sharing it again with you. You realize, God, how you talk. If you, are, if, you, if you never listened to the series I taught, on grace and honor in ministry. Have you heard it before? In 2010, I think, we did a series for about two months on honor. Can you remember that? Every Wednesday. Learn it. Know how to talk. Don't talk foolishly. You can make your point without talking foolishly. You can, you can make an observation. Ah, king. You can say, ah, king, you dance too. You know you could dance something like that. Okay. Yeah, you'll have not done it in the house now. Why call him shameless? You don't have to say that. Praise the Lord. You can't, you, you don't get away. You don't get away because he's your husband. Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. He that rejects you, rejects me. That's what he said. Don't say, I have a personal relationship with God. How personal is it? You have no personal relationship with anybody. Your relationship with God is in a collective fellowship of believers. Don't deceive yourself. I've shared that with you many times. All the people telling themselves that they have God in their personal room and they are talking to me, talking to them. They are, it's hallucination. No? Those are either money or good, good money spirit thing. In that good money spirit book, they will say, Holy Spirit, I love you, I like you. Look, be careful. So we have to be careful. I just said to share that. It's not in my sermon. But let's temper how we talk. There are people, because of their words, not that God did anything. You did yourself. That's the point. Praise the Lord. And like I always tell you, God will keep using imperfect men. God has never used one perfect man before. He has never used one single perfect man before. That's the point. So, observing people's weaknesses <laughs> is not your ministry. Church, Pastor Wally, or Pastor GD, that guy, he does this. That is not what you're supposed to be observing. Praise the Lord. And you know, like the first service, that you are angry with someone, you don't like him, doesn't mean someone else will not get blessed by the person. You are the one that will not be blessed. In 1994, I, we had this meeting, and a fellow told me, after the service, he told me, he said, I was angry throughout. I was just looking at you. He told me that. He was just looking at, and someone else in the meeting said, this was the greatest meeting I've ever attended. Same place. Five years later, I, I shared this story too. We had this uh, convention called the Holy Ghost Meeting. March 12, 1999. And some of the members of the ministry then, 
they were fighting themselves. You know all this infighting. You will not fight physically, but so if you didn't preach, I think for the cross I bow. You know that is. <laughs> you are angry with the person and not singing to the Lord. For the cross I bow. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, and they were doing that. He's, they were the ones organizing the program. Someone else who was a visitor. The guy still wrote the testimony I showed. Where's Alex? I showed you that. You know, you know the guy. He showed until today. He said that was where he received the call to ministry. The same program where our own people were fighting. Someone else who was not involved <laughs> just came and got there. Don't let anybody get you involved in nonsense. Do you get it? That's why you came to church. Do you know that that brother is going out with that sister? Do you want to go out with two of them? Who's your own? Some people, that's what they come to do in church. Observant. I discovered that every time that sister is going in her car, it's that brother that goes in the car. Every Sunday, we took record. Logizomai. <laughs> you were meditating day and night. Or what some other people were doing. You are definitely not born again yet. You are born, but not again. <laughs> Hallelujah. You following what I'm saying? This is where you came. This is what you are doing. Praise the Lord. Many times, some ministers say, we don't relate. I have little Lord Mason, some I don't relate with them. I have a choice. I, I, you can't be my friend by force. You guys say, but I've been calling you. You call. That's you. I don't have to be your friend. We're already bound together. I have no choice about that. You're born again. <laughs> Boy, I can't, you, know, I can't, you can't force me to be your friend. Then they say, you know, I say, well, the point is, I can't get involved in relationships where we're talking about others. I don't have time. If you see me walking today, sometimes you think I'm crazy. I'm talking. I'm talking. You know. I have too many. My mind is divided. It's not just the word. The word is on top, finally. But <laughs> I don't have time. You say, hey, did you know? I don't. Did you know Christ was on dead? Yes, I'll hear that one. I don't have time. Praise the Lord. I told one guy, I said, do you know why I don't allow you in my house again? So the last two times I tested you, you just test throughout. That's why I when you say, Can I see you? I say, I'm busy. You know, so you, you observe relationships you keep. Friends that don't edify you. They don't edify, they don't build you up. Every time they leave you, either you are angry with somebody when they are done with you. Or you just hate somebody. Friends that when you leave them, you don't feel like praying. You feel like not praying. So that dangerous signs. It's not part of my sermon. Can I go ahead? You check that. Check those kind of things. I used to tell them in this church years ago, I said, face where you came. Or else you will face outside. I'm mad that you don't hear me. They faced outside. I told you, face where you came. You came here to learn the world. Like Pastor Chris will tell us then, he said, you came here for your salvation and someone's salvation. Every other thing is additional. 
You came to hear about Christ. So what do you know about Christ? That the other things are just additional things that you can do away with it. Are you following my point? Are you getting what I'm saying? Go to church. You hear the word. And you hear the word. You pray. You go and get the books. Amen. You give. You give. You go for your meetings. You go home. You say, you catch up at us. I don't call you. To do what? Praise the Lord. Don't forget. God will always use what? Imperfect men. Like you. Like me. Oh. Someone say, Pastor, sometimes you get me angry. I get myself angry too. I say, you have to get used to me. This is the guy God gave you as your pastor. Man, you get used to him. <laughs> He's going to have off days and on days, man. In his off days, just keep praying for him. You think I'm always filled with the Spirit? <laughs> I wish I was always filled with the Spirit. <laughs> you don't want to know. Come on. Let's get back to the word. So keep seeing me the way you're seeing me. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you following my point here? So you face why you came. Make sure you stick to that. So he said, the most vital thing to God is gospel. Praise the Lord. The gospel. And, yet, and on Friday I shared that. So go into all the world and preach the gospel. So the first thing we have, we believe the gospel. Say, I believe the gospel. We believe the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. I believe the gospel. As I hear the gospel, I believe the gospel. Romans 10, 17. Faith is by the hearing of the gospel. You hear the gospel. You believe. What are you called? You are called a child of God. A son of God. That's number one. Secondly, you preach the gospel. Before I get there, you leave the gospel. Listen carefully. You leave the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is about God's love for man. Romans 5.8 God commended his love towards us. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you remove forgiveness of sins and the love of God from the gospel, there is no gospel again. So the gospel is God showing us love. That that love will reflect on others. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. He says, love your enemies. Hallelujah. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That's why it's so strange when Christians are praying against other people. We call them to die. Anything that is injuring us should die today. That's not the spirit of God. Because that's not the spirit of the gospel. The gospel has no death in it. The only death in the gospel is the death of Jesus. And then his life after his death. So we leave the gospel. We have been forgiven by God. So we forgive others. Are you there? Colossians 3.13 Say if there is any quarrel among yourselves, forgive one another as God has forgiven you for Christ's sake. So as we see the love of God, we reflect in how we believe one another. Forgiveness makes anger impossible. Forgiveness makes bitterness impossible. 
Forgiveness makes, listen to me, it makes so many things in the flesh impossible. Some of us can hold on to people's sins that Satan himself will learn from you. Uh uh-uh. uh. They will give you dates. 14th of March, 1996. It was a Thursday. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 666 seconds. You were wearing a white shirt with a ah ah oga. And they cannot quote scriptures like that, though. But they can quote people's thoughts. Hallelujah. One time my dad asked me a question. He said, You used to write me when you were young. You don't write again. He said, The day I saw the fire that you put those things, I stopped writing. He said, hey, How did you see it? Ah uh-uh. ah. I saw that he filed everything I wrote from my primary school. He kept it in his fire. Ah ah. So I said, From now, it's Baba. <laughs> no gravel. <laughs> it's Baba. <laughs> he just laughed over it. Funny enough, when he died, and I picked up the file, I now had the file. All the records were with me. You get the point? Don't do that. Don't keep people's faults. You have no right to do that. You lead the gospel. You help others. First John 3.16 How will you perceive the love of God that he laid down his life for us? Let us also lay down our lives for our brethren. What does that mean? You are leaving the gospel. Someone laid down his life for you. You are leaving the gospel. You love others. You are kind to them. The Bible says, with love, Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Love serves others. Whenever we mention the love of God, you will not be the issue. It will be the person. So we believe the gospel. Two, we leave the gospel. Say, I leave the gospel. Number three, we preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. Hallelujah. We preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. What do you mean by preach? You tell people about Jesus, what he has done. You preach the gospel. You preach it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. New creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are what? Become new. Verse 18. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And what has he done? He has given to us what? The ministry of it. See, I have the ministry of reconciliation. To which God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, and not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We have to preach the gospel. You don't have to be a Christian for 10 years to preach the gospel. The very day that you receive the life of God in your spirit, that day you are qualified to preach the gospel. Are you there? To function in the word of God. How many days did Peter get saved? Peter got born again. He got saved within a few days, barely 30 days or 40 days. He was out there preaching. He lifted his voice. Acts 2, verse 15 and 16. And he preached. The very day. Praise the Lord. Shall I believe the gospel? 
I live the gospel. And I also preach the gospel. The last one, which is why I'm sharing this today, is to live for the gospel. To live for the gospel. I, I, I keep talking about it. And I remember my late father, he, he was a well-known person in some circles. He was known very, very intelligent, brilliant. You know, academically, his career. Then he became the king of my town. And I, I was with him a few days before he passed. And he was ill. So I was with him. And, he, and then he, he was supposed to, um, uh, what do you call it now? He was supposed to inaugurate a new palace. So we had set all that up. We had invited many prominent Nigerians, some of whom were his uh, prodigy. Inside. So he laid down on the bed and we started talking. And I saw in his voice. This was a man I'd, I'd known him all his life. All my life, sorry. I'd known him all my life serving people. I saw him. I saw what he did for his immediate family. I saw what he did for other people's family. So I grew up not having to live with him and my family alone. We well, was that people come around, he's helping this person and all that. So he became a king. He was, he was virtually the easiest choice. His elderly ones weren't chosen. He was chosen. He served them. Remember when he told me, he said, can, he asked for my opinion. Can I become a king? I said, well, you are old enough to take that decision for yourself. Whatever you do, I support you. He said, but don't forget, you are not coming back to this house again. At least not alive. Learn to talk to people realistically. And why are you looking at me like that? He said, so. I said, so. Go ahead and take it. So he did. So, just about that, the last years of his life, who was speaking. And I saw regret in his voice. And I told myself, the only reason why he regret is, this was not the gospel. As important as the things he did were, it's not the gospel. No one who lives for the gospel will have that kind of regret. He was saved. So was he regretting he was going to hell? No. And I remember, just a few years ago, the mother-in-law, during our uh, uh, wake-keep ceremony, people came out to talk about how our ministry had affected them. She had gotten many people born again. She had planted churches too that I know. So the testimonies were testimonies of salvation. People that have found hope in Christ. And I said to myself, this one cannot regret. Because you lead for the gospel. It's important. Some of the things we chase in this life, we are all over it. We can never bring joy Whatever, if you observe your life, whatever has to be to satisfy men never brings lasting joy. So, we have believed the gospel. We live the gospel. We preach the gospel. Do we live for the gospel? Philippians chapter 1. Are you there? <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. 
verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind. Let's finish it together. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. The word there is to cooperate with one another. For the faith of the gospel. Something that is common to us. Together. Sunathilio in the Greek. S-U-N-A-T-H-L-E-O. It means we are together. We cooperate. Something like a tag team. Tag team for the gospel. Like you are fighting something together. Praise the Lord. It's common to us. As a church. Whether you got born again last night. Or you got born again this morning. We have a common mandate in Christ. You can ignore it. You can despise it. But that's the fact. The gospel is common to us all. Our career is not common to us. Our choice of football club obviously is not common to us. <laughs> Our taste hasn't common to us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What we like, what kind of colors we like, the kind of clothes we like to wear can be common to us. The kind of countries we love can be common to us. Praise the Lord. I like people like to travel the country. I like to travel the country. I do. But after four days, I'm feeling like I'm missing Nigeria. What am I missing in Nigeria? Nigeria. The choice of what we like. Even the choice of the man you want to marry. Some say, I like that brother. You know, eh? Not that you don't love the brother, love of God. You know, eh? That's what she likes. I like that sister. I say, she loves <laughs> Praise the Lord. The choice of schools. <laughs> Let me leave that out of it. That, that's a divine matter. <laughs> you know, but then, what is common to us all is the gospel. That one, we are not given options. Praise the Lord. We have a common mandate. And you see, it, it, it demands for us to live for it. If you look at it very well, many times in the epistles, when Paul is talking about this, the kinds of examples he uses, for example, uh, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 12.1, he said, let us run the race that is set before us. The word race is from the, the Greek word stadion. Stadion. A distance. A distance. A gap. That demands us to live for it. Let us run the race. The distance. That is set before us. Praise the Lord. In First Corinthians. Chapter 9 verse 24. He mentions again that we are in a race. Praise the Lord. We are in a race. A competition. Competing against our own desires. Not men. That's, that's the example he gave. In 2 Timothy 2.4 it, it typifies us like a man who is at a war. A soldier. A soldier. No man that warrant. Entangled himself with the affairs of his life. So there are rules for this. Hallelujah. 
You cannot handle the gospel like a hobby. No hobby is something you do by the side. You'll say, oh, let me just go, um, give me an example of a hobby. You say, well, you just want to play football for some of us. Some people not hobby. So I just like a hobby. After five minutes, you are tired, just go home. Because you don't have to play. You know, you are playing and you say, hey, hey, that's who. Um, that's the personalized goalkeeper. Who does like this? Uh, Alex. Eh? You know, and you say, remove me. You know, that's a hobby. You know, you can't die at your office. <laughs> Same thing, I'm tired though. I mean, how can I be walking from eight to four? <laughs> you say, just make sure you take, drop our tag and everything and sign up with each other. You know, so I'm just tired. I mean, you can't stress me now. I mean, <laughs> as you are going, just go and fill another application form for another job. So it's not something, or you are playing a football game, and then you just tell the coach, I'm not playing again. <laughs> I'm not playing again. It's, there's a life we're living for. It's a war. It's a race. Hallelujah. That's what it is. And so it demands from us. The same way you are in your office, there's a demand on you. To walk. If you are in a game, there's a demand on you. If you are at war, there's a demand on you. Praise the Lord. I like, I like online. Why, someone say, why is your service not online? There's nothing wrong in it, but we are not yet online. We don't know where that will be. They go to church. You want people to be going to church. I said, do you know that they, they don't train the U.S. Army online? Want to join the U.S. Army? Come online. Okay, wherever you are, keep jumping. <laughs> you got to show up. Praise God. You have to. You don't say, well, don't, don't say, just do software. Don't use software. No, you, you come here. They train you. Praise the Lord. So there's a demand on me. Hallelujah. Serving the Lord is not a hobby. There's a lot of people in their CV, hobbies. You say traveling, singing in church, prayer. It's cool. Let your brain traveling, singing in church, prayer, hobby. It's work. We are living for the gospel. Hallelujah. Now I'm saying this for many of us here. You need to take a decision to live for the gospel. You know. Coming to church on a Sunday morning is stressful for some people. It's stress. They think they are doing God a favor. In fact, the way they enter the service, you see it. You also have a Savior revival? Look around. You say, sit down here. Calm down, young girl. Sit anyway. You are not alright. I advise you go for that thing they call check up spirit. You don't do that. You are a child of God. Praise the Lord. There you go. As they are teaching, 30 minutes. What's wrong with you? 
what is wrong with you? 24 hours in a Sunday, 3 hours has become for you what? The boring of life. And where are you going when you leave? Tell us. You are going to see somebody. Family visitation. Come we'll go to club. And sit down there. That's why your eyes will be seen the Prince David song. <laughs> go and watch football. You don't even write football. Sailor. So, what, what's wrong with you? You can't even live for the gospel. You have nothing. You have nobody today that you can say, I'm spending time to teach this person about Christ. You are too big. They say, let's go for evangelism. They say, hey, I'll pay for your trip. Too big. Too big to go out to preach. Too big to talk to all about Jesus. There was one time we were having, somebody brought a car. Go and take your car back. Come down. How do you want to be getting a car? Hi, come inside, let me preach to you. Bro, get down your car and eat the street, man. Man, you call the preparation of the God, the sander, not the steering wheels. <laughs> hit the streets. See, I used to do that when I was on campus. You know, but now, you know, <laughs> life has happened to me, you know, my, my belly, see my butt belly, you know. I, I, I have an incarnate being in this What's wrong with you? Someone died for you. He gave himself to you. Live for it. Hallelujah. Lord, I give you my I live for you alone. But I mean, you don't attend. Which is you? Every step. Don't take step. Just pray. Every moment I'm away. I'm away. When you finish singing, act upon it. Live for the gospel. Live for it. I know we're in a world where they value things monetarily. Look at you. How much are you earning? Praise the Lord. What, what kind of car do you drive? That's why we celebrate people and say, ah, that brother, ah, God is doing marvelous things in his life. That brother is shining. Why? He has changed his car. There's another brother who's, who just dragged me to church. Because that one will not shine. That one is serving. So he's shining. This one doesn't come for prayer meeting. He doesn't do anything. He can buy books. Those who stand. I'm not sure there's books. Or I'll write you a check. He's not going to read any. Because driver, take this book, suffering. There is another brother here, of course. He just says, Can I buy this and pay next week? But he's doing evangelism, he's praying. I don't want to be like that brother. You are not okay. This brother is the one living for the gospel. That one is living for himself or herself. It's time we stop celebrating worldliness in the churches. I don't care what you drive, I don't care where you live, I don't care how much is in your account. What are you doing with the gospel of Jesus? 
Are you living for the gospel? Are you striving for that common cause that we all have? The mandate of Christ Jesus on our life. Praise the Lord. Go to Matthew's gospel. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 9 first. Then Matthew's gospel. Are you there? Praise the Lord. Verse 16. Though I preach the gospel, Paul says, I have nothing to glory of. <laughs> That's it. Nothing to glory of. Nothing to boast. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me. 1 Corinthians 9.16. If I preach not the gospel. Are you there? This was a man who told them in Philippi. He said, for me to live with Christ and die is gain. He said, well, I desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is better. But for your sake. Can you imagine? For the sake of the gospel. I'll stay with you guys. That's a man that the gospel has defined his purpose for him. Are you there? Are you there this afternoon? Look at Matthew's gospel 26. There's a story in there. That I want to just share with us. I've taught this before. Just want to go over it again. Matthew's Gospel 26. A story in there that we can draw a lesson from. I'm going to start from verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box. Of very precious ointment. Because it's precious. Now it said that historically that this was like the savings of this woman. Like you you buy just like the way some people they they store uh, what do you call it now they they store their assets in gold and silver. So it's like this is this is historical it doesn't have to be scriptural it doesn't have to be doctrinal but she stored like her savings in this and poured it on his head. That's ridiculous. Something that precious. She takes it and then poured it. In the Greek it means she wasted it on his head. I mean, in the natural, you will say, come, what are you doing with your life? Why would you take something that precious? And then all you saw to do was look at Jesus and empty the whole thing. In other words, what was so valuable to her lost value when she saw Jesus. She could waste it. She could take it off. So many of us, that could be money. It might not be money. It might be our time. So it might not be your time. It may be your energy. It may be your status in the society. This lady took it and poured everything on Jesus. Everything. Something of value that the world was looking for. She made it look insignificant in the presence of Jesus. She wasted it. Pay attention again. 
When these disciples saw it, they had what? Let's take verse 8 together. Let's go. They had what? Indignation. Say what? To what purpose is what? Is what? Have you ever heard people talk to you like that? What have you been doing with your life? You meet your ex-classmates and you see them and say, What have you been doing? They say, well, they just look at you. Have you done this? Have you done this? Say nothing. So what have you your time you just stay in church? Praying? Doing evangelism? No, you can't waste your life like this. I knew you in school. You were a first class degree holder. By now, you should be this. You should be a governor. You should be this one. What matter of waste is this? What is of value to man loses value when I see Jesus? When I see Jesus, all become dumb. Nothing. Those who cling unto this are those who have not seen him. This woman could take all that was of value and she wasted it. It meant nothing. She didn't sell it to give. She poured it away on him. She took all her time to serve the Lord. Took all her money, all her assets, all her energy. She used all her resources. All our mind that was used for other things before were now wasted on Jesus. So that your friends, your colleagues, your family will think you are crazy. Is this what you want to do with your life? Remember the younger Christian. My dad was so worried. So worried. He did all sorts of threats. He said all sorts of things. He became a big problem. My mom was going to pray so that I was stop to preach the gospel. Can you imagine? He went to pray so that I was stop preaching the gospel. I called him. I said, sir, don't waste your time. Nothing can stop me. Not even God. At that point, he said, huh? Said, you know why I came to this world? Do you know why you were allowed to give birth to me? To do what I'm doing. Don't stress yourself. I'm already wasted. I'm wasted already. There's no point. Hallelujah. So we, we, we didn't start out in convenience. No. It's a function of conviction. This woman... Pour out everything on Jesus. And the world, in verse 9, this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Listen carefully to what they said. That means, why did you just sell it and you gave to the poor? That looked nice. That looked good. At least you'll be given. No. It meant that the thing had no value to our again. That was the point. What should be expensive became irrelevant. That was the point. 
Have you ever seen people that are serving the Lord and when you know what they have accomplished in life, you go on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry. When you see how they serve the Lord, how what they have acquired makes no, has no bearing on how they act. What they do. They serve. They don't act their age. They don't act their status. They don't act their experience. They counted all those things. Something that they will not put value on anymore. Their entire value was now on Jesus. Serving the Lord comes with that cost. If your eyes are still on what people will say, you still want to compete with your friends. I remember I was in university and then we were writing the yearbook and everybody was saying, what do you want to do in the next five years, ten years? And you know, someone said, I want to get married, have children, have children's children and stuff like that. I said, I want to preach the gospel all over the God looked at me and said, your profile is so dry. Nothing exciting. Favorite things to do, maybe I said meditation. What do you want to do? Prayer. Don't you have a life? I do. That's it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm not complaining. I'm excited. Praise the Lord. So, if you tell me, you know, uh, this guy is now the, is now the, uh, 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 is a professor or so, so and so. He, he, he's known for, he's going to get the Nobel Prize next year. I don't go, wow, what am I doing with my life? I passed that stage. I'm useful for the Lord. I'm giving life a meaning. Hallelujah. I love doing what I'm doing. Oh, glory to God. I have no single regret. Amen. You know, everything that was of value when I was young has lost value. Money, fame, human accomplishment. You come to the presence of Jesus. They mean nothing. Hear what Jesus said. Why trouble you the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. Hey! Jesus calls waste a good work. For you have the poor always with you, but me you don't always have. In that she poured the ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, just like today, wherever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, how about that? There shall be this, also this, that this woman has done. To be told for a memorial of her. What she has done has become an example of those who honor the gospel. Just like now. Waste now became value. I close. Waste becomes value. Now some of us sometimes we feel, have I wasted my time? I will send my gifts. No, you haven't. You have only placed value on Jesus. You have placed value on the gospel. And you have looked at what the world calls money, what they call wealth, what they call heights. You have counted it nothing. Nothing. Sometimes it makes us change our friends, change where we live, change what we do, change what we like. It looks like a waste. 
is not actually waste. It is value on what matters. I'm asking you, is your life wasted on Jesus? Things that you value, things that are of enormous influence and wealth, they become nothing. If those things still count to you, and you're always, oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, something's wrong. I tell many leaders, and I tell, tell them, where is your sacrifice for the gospel? What can you say you have to let go? Because when there is no cost, there was no value. You come to church when you like. You attend a church close by. You have no time for anyone during the week. You give what you want. You pray only for yourself. You live only for yourself. What you, what you drive your energy towards is whatever satisfies you. Puts money in your account. Makes you comfortable. The point is this. When do you want to start serving the Lord? And there is no salary here. No. Serving the Lord is only rewarded in eternity. That's what makes it service. Jesus said, He that will come after me will take up his cross and follow me. He he will deny himself. He said, He that will he that will not hate father, mother, sister, friends, what hate them is prefer, cannot follow me. If you are still having wealth, I wanna I wanna satisfy my family, I want to satisfy the society, I want to satisfy my classmates, I want to satisfy you can't follow him. You gotta get those things have to be wasted. You put value only on Jesus. Now speaking to many of you in this room this afternoon. How wasted are you? Are you still looking at what the world will say? In Luke 14, 28, I close on that. Jesus said, He that will follow me, Luke 14, 28, He said, You will sit down and count the costs. I'll start from 16 to 24. You will sit down and count the costs. Notice the parable He gave before. He said, He was talking about service. He said, a certain man in 16 made a great supper and made many. Sent his servant a time to bid them to come and come for all things already. One, look at verse 18. They all with one consent began to do what? Make excuses. Legitimate excuses. He said, I brought a piece of bread. I must need to go and see it. I pray you have me excuse. You know, that's no, oh, you don't do brother. You have it. You go for in banana island. You go check it. Go check I understand. I understand. Even if your pastor understands, you know that's because your life has not been sold out to God. What can your pastor do? I bought a land. Can I go? Or the person said, Have brought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. Verse 20. I have married a wife. Can you imagine? I can't come. Legitimate things. Like he said, don't go. He said, ah, are you so wicked? He's just married. A, a newly married couple. What kind of Jesus is that? 
How can somebody invest so much to buy a piece of property, banana island? It's not a jekulel. Banana island, he said he cannot go. That's not fair. After all, when the house, when he begins to let the house, he will bring the money to the church. Jesus said, hear me. So the master said, go to the streets and bring others. May I never be replaced because of my silly excuses. I say it oftentimes, you are not indispensable. You can't be. Then he went ahead. In verse 26. If a man comes to me, he has to hate his father. The word is prefer. Prefer, don't get that. Prefer. Above. Father, mother, wife, children. Can you imagine? Children, brethren, sisters. Yeah, his own life. It cannot be my disciple. Whoever God bears cross and comfort me cannot be my disciple. Who cannot do this, right? Which of you intends to build a tower? Sit not down first and counts cost. There is always a cost. For the man who had a land he just brought, the cost was that land. For the one who had oxen was his business. For the one who just got married, the cost was actually his marriage. This is not bread and butter. This is Christianity. You must ask yourself, am I counting the cost? Or am I wanting no costs? That woman took everything. Wasted it. What she saved. Maybe to buy a land, buy property. She just took it. She said, Jesus, this matters no more. This PhD matters no more. These houses I bought matter no more. The cars I drive matter no more. All I own, they matter no more. What matters is you. The wasted life. Before the world, it's a waste. Before Jesus, value. His disciple. His servant. Bow your heads this morning.